So uh, I'm in the Midwest. I'm in Kansas City. Okay. Uh, but I just recently moved to uh, Las Vegas uh, last September. So, nice. So a lot of my business is still here in Kansas City. So I'm back and forth a lot, man. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to level up, man. I'm trying to be like you. <laughs> make it happen. Got to make it happen. Hey, yeah. this pandemic was a blessing in disguise. It was a curse, too. My heart right. I lost somebody, but it really forced me to uh, change kind of my business model and things like that. And and it forced me to grow as a person. You know what I'm saying? Right. But right. It's times, but I'm looking forward to this year, though. Yeah, 100%, man. Well, yeah, man. I, I, like I said, I appreciate you for tapping in with me, man. No and uh, I, see, I see you got some coffee or something. Yeah, I'm drinking tea. I was yelling at some kids today, so my voice got caught. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, cool. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kick it off, everybody. Uh, it's your boy Timothy Shocker, TSJ Success Podcast, powered by DreamMuscleCoffee.com. If you have not been to DreamMuscleCoffee.com, please uh, head over there and patronize us. I believe we have the best coffee on the planet. Uh, so I'm here with my boy Gene Mosley, uh, Dallas, Texas, right? Yeah, I'm in the Dallas area. Yeah, Dallas area, uh, motivation, uh, coach, uh, speaker, author. And so I'm just super excited to have him on the, uh, the podcast tonight. And so just real quick, man, just tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and uh, kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, I'm Gene. You know, like you said, I'm from Houston, man. I grew up on the streets of Houston, uh, single parent home. I'm sure y'all heard this story a million times. But I was one of those guys that, you know, I was very determined to make something of myself because I saw so many guys in my hood going to jail, getting killed. And I said, you know what? I promised my mama one day I'm going to graduate from college. Hopefully I'll make it to the NBA, but I didn't do that part. But um, I went off to school, earned a master's degree. You know what I'm saying? Got to corporate America, realized that wasn't for me. So I started my own business. You know, I started, you know, speaking, helping youth in juvenile jails. That turned into a book. So I sold my book all around the country. Got it in juvenile jails all out here in uh, the Dallas area. And from there, I've just been growing my brand through social media and just trying to paint a, a more of a positive narrative, especially for black males in this country, so people can see there's a lot of us out there that are educated, that are building businesses, that are trying to make a difference. So my determination is coming from me that I am I'm, I'm really passionate about helping people to see that they're worthy of their dreams, their goals, because I grew up so much in my life for no self-work. Now I have my self-work. I want to tell the whole planet that they're worthy to be great. They can be anything right. they want in life. And that's what I believe that God put me on this earth to do. And I do that passionately. Hey, I, I can attest to that. You Every time I click on my, uh, my social media, <laughs> uh, I, I, you come out with so much energy, man. And so, uh, and uh, that worthy to be great, man. Uh, that's a what a what a powerful statement, and and it's just interesting that you you've built your your brand around that, you know. And, and the thing I love, and the reason why I want you to come on is because I love the the you know I read through your story and whatnot, and and just to not have a father in the home, and to build a business and a brand around self awareness and and uh uh self-confidence and i think that's a huge testament man to the transform tra the transformation and what's happened in your life 
and the impact in which others take from what you're doing. So I, I think that's huge, man. And uh, so let me just let's just come, go back real quick. Growing up without a father in the home, like what was the, the process like uh, even in trying to figure out your identity? You know, uh, was there was there a lot of pain involved? Did you have a moment? Or did you, or was you motivated by it or some people were hurt by it? Uh, you know, kind of what was your process uh, in you finding your true self and understanding, you know what, this may not have been my reality, but I'm gonna make sure that others that, that, that were in my position uh, feel uh, and, and really have the tools they need uh, to build up that self-confidence and become something. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I was hurt, I was, a lot of different things, but I'm going to kind of tell you how it happened quickly because then your viewers can understand how I was able to build a brand around it. So when I was 11 years old, uh, my little sister and I was in elementary school. We had just got home. We walked inside the house and my mom was in the living room crying with our white nightgown on. So I was like, what in the world is wrong with my mama? So I said, hey, mama, what's wrong? She said, Junior, go in the room and ask your dad if he's going to leave us. So in my mind, I'm thinking he's going to go and take a trip to another country because he works on the railroad, right? right? So I walked into my parents' room. My dad was sitting on the bed watching television. I walked in. I said, Daddy, Mama said you're going to leave. Is that true? He looked me in my eyes. He said, Son, I will never leave. I'm going to put us in a better home outside this bad neighborhood. So I went back to the living room. And I said, Mama, Daddy said he's not going to leave. He just told me. Now, I could tell by the way my mom was looking that something was wrong because it seemed like she didn't believe me, right? Right. So, the next two weeks, I didn't see my dad around the house. I didn't smell go off from his uniform. So, I went to the kitchen and I say, Mama, where's my daddy? She said, Junior, your daddy gone. He left two weeks ago. Now, in my mind, I don't believe her. I'm like, no, nah, my daddy wouldn't look me in my eyes, his own flesh and blood, and tell me he's going to leave. He won't leave, and then he's gone. I just couldn't believe it, right? So I ran to my parents' room and I opened up my dad's closet door and it was totally empty. And at that moment, wow. I felt I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy. My life had no value. So that moment that I'm talking about when I was standing in front of that empty closet, that is what I call an empty closet moment. We all have those moments in our lives we felt we wasn't good enough. And so when I wrote my first book, Overcome Your Empty Closet, the reason it has that empty closet on the front of it is because it represents that moment for all of us. And that was the most painful moment in my life. That was the moment that I lost my self-worth. But that's also the moment that allowed me to grow as an individual because growing up with no self-worth, trying to figure myself out, stealing, doing drugs, hanging out right. with a bad crowd, going through that process, I was able to meet mentors. I was able to have coaches that helped me. But I also was still struggling with this self-hatred that I see with so many people have today. And I right. did not know how to deal with that, right? right? So when I got in my sophomore year of college, I got cut from my college basketball team. So I couldn't use basketball as a way to shield my self-hate. So right. I made a decision. I said, you know what? It's time for me to try to reach out to my daddy. So I, I, I tracked him down. I called my mama. Uh, we got in touch with him, and I called my dad, and I said, Daddy, I want to tell you something. Uh, I want to let you know I love you, and I forgive you for leaving the family. Wow. That was the hardest decision I ever made in my life, but wow. that, was my that was my rebirth. That's when I started to feel I had self-worth. 
I started to develop confidence because I realized that the decisions that my daddy made did not have to define me as a person. And I can use that moment to be able to inspire and motivate other people who are struggling with long self work. <laughs> Bro, I mean, powerful. So the, the, the thing that I take, the thing that I take from it, as a matter of fact, I was just talking about this a while ago. And um, I was talking about the fact that uh, at what point do and, and there's all t- like people, people every I tell people all the time, we all have a different hand in life. We've all been dealt a different hand, different situations, two parent homes, foster care, whatever. Uh, but at, at what point do you say, I'm not going to be a victim? I'm not going to play a victim. I'm not going to be a victim of this situation. And, 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 and it, there's a lot of things that happen. So there's things that are rightly justified. But at yep. what point do we say, I'm not going to be a victim? And I see at your point, it was when you said, you know what, I'm going to forgive my dad. Yeah. You know, I'm going to forgive my dad. And, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe because you maybe saw something different. You know, you wanted, you you had that, the something, inner desire to want to, to want to move forward, you know? And you know what it was? It was exposure. So check this out. When I got to college, right? I got to college, right? And it was two guys I met. One was named Smokey and the other was named Chris. They both grew up, grew up with our fathers. They were seniors in college. Now, Chris used to cut my hair. And I was always angry all the time. Like, man, you don't want to fight everybody. So when, when, when Chris used to cut my hair, him and Smokey was roommates. And Chris was like, you know what, man? We ain't got no daddies either. But you got to forgive, man, you know, because you ain't going to ever be free. And if you want to be successful, you know, you can't do that with all that baggage in your heart. So, hey, we from the streets like you are, but we was able to forgive and that freed us. And you know what I learned? When I started going to those juvenile detention centers and dealing with those teens that mostly had no fathers, by me exposing them to somebody that was in a position similar to them, some of them had worse than me, but to expose them to the fact that if you forgive somebody, it's not that person that you're forgiving. You're forgiving yourself for not forgiving, and that's going to set you free. That's good. And that's a, a quote. Uh, I forgot the pastor's name. William B. Smead, I believe. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to realize that prisoner was you. Dang. That's so, deep, bro. So for so many years, I was a prisoner to my own unforgiveness. And that's the same thing I tell these guys, man. So it does go back to exposure. People got to make a decision when they get ready to. But if you're somebody that went through those dark times, overcame those empty closet moments, and given it and set you free, then you can spark that 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 heart that seed in that person's life. That's powerful. Exposure is is that's something that I, I talk about often as well. I tell people all the time we live according to what we've been exposed to and what we experience. And so for me, um, you know, I grew up in I grew up in an urban community, and so therefore for me, the best thing that happened to me was going to college away from home. You yep. know, uh, I was I was fortunate enough to play football uh, throughout you know collegially or whatever, and so uh, going to college and being exposed to people all over the world, my teammates and and people from different backgrounds and people uh, uh, that some people, some of my team, they didn't even have parents, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And just, and, and, it, and, it, and they put things into 
to this proper perspective. And so when I came back to my, my neighborhood in my hometown, my whole mindset had changed. Yeah. It was completely different, man. And some yeah. of the things that I thought were cool, it wasn't cool anymore because I actually, for the, you know, for, you know, a small time in my life, I actually like, you know what? I'm going to be something. Exactly. You know, the things, the, the, the things, my eyes were different. Uh, uh, the late Dr. Miles Monroe said the eyes that look are common, but eyes they can see are rare. And so mm-hmm. my eyes had opened. Like you, your eyes were open. Yeah. And you were able to see something different, man. And so I think at times, like you said, sometimes when we have that exposure, the things that we couldn't even muster up in words become a little bit more, it become easier because we, we gain more courage. Exactly. You know, we, we gain more courage because the hardest thing to do is to is to say, I forgive you or I love you in spite of or, mm-hmm. you know, these different things. And so I think that's cool, man. So, all right. So we go from college to so to where you are now. So walk us through so, from, from 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 that moment into in now, you know, so I- I went, I graduated uh, right before I graduated from college. You know, after gave my daddy, I, I invited him to see me graduate uh, because my mama told me that he said I never would graduate. So I brought him in and, and he came to the graduation. I showed him love and respect. But once I was finished there, man, I went on to the University of North Texas and uh, I decided that I wanted to get a master's degree, but I did not have the GRE score. So they let me. The, the professor there, the person over the department said, we don't think you can make it out of school because of your GRE scores. And I say, ma'am, I got to be real. If I survive the streets of Houston, I can survive your little text. You know what I'm saying? So me and her made a bet. She gave me a semester to my myself, and I was able to do so. I was able to get a B average, graduated almost 4.0. But then I went to corporate America, and this is when it got crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I go to corporate America, after working for a nonprofit, man. And I'm doing good. I'm making a lot of money in corporate America. But I start to realize, you know what I'm saying? I'm making these people a lot of money, but I'm not getting paid for as much work as I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So in the midst of that, I decided to apply for a management position. And I had this manager. I worked under her. I was never late. I was always on time. Our productivity had to be 100, 100%. I was at 130 to 150% a week, right? So uh, one day she was in the office screaming. She was screaming to the top of her lungs. And I went into the office and I thought somebody was attacking her. And when I walked in there, I realized she was screaming because it was dead roach on the floor, right? (laughs) Like for real, she was screaming to the top of her lungs over a dead roach. So I went to the restroom, got a piece of of tissue. And when I went bent over to pick the roach up, she stood over me and said, Gene, that's the only reason I keep you here. And I, I thought to myself, like, how dare this lady disrespect me like this? You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. I made a mistake. I didn't say nothing. But that same manager, I had applied for a management position under her. And when it came to me getting a job, she said the reason I didn't get it because she felt that I spoke slang. I spoke too ghetto. Right? Right. Then it became this major situation. And... It was a blessing in disguise because here's the thing, because she rejected me at that position and became such a big controversy at that corporation, one of the executives stepped in, right? And the executive told me, she said, hey, Gene, you don't have a 
a speaking problem, but we want to tell you something that this position you're going after, you're going to have to do public speaking. And that was my fear. I fear public speaking. So she asked me to go to this Toastmaster club, right? Yeah. <laughs> it took me months to get my, my nerve up to go, right? So I decided yeah. I'm going to go to this Toastmaster club. I'm going to try it out. Well, I went to that test Toastmaster club. And my first, my first time speaking, I spoke with no notes. And that was the day I discovered I had a God-given gift to do public speaking. So I went from this corporation that was disrespecting me, getting paid like $20, $30 an hour, to making thousands of dollars to speak for an hour, all because I was rejected in that company. <laughs> Ain't that crazy how that worked out? <laughs> Hey, I, I, I tell people all the time, man, you can be fighting the very thing that's trying to bless you, man. You ain't lying. You can be Woo, fighting the very I'm... thing that's trying to bless you, man. And, yeah. you know, that, that crisis became, you found opportunity within the, the crisis. And yeah, that, that is so, that, that is so, that's so many people, man. I, I tell people all the time, that's, when I started my first gym, that's how, uh, that's what happened to me. You know, I was working at another gym and I never, I, I didn't tell too many, I didn't tell hardly anybody about my desire to want to open up a gym. But mm -hmm. in my, I was always filled with this crazy desire. I'm like, man, I want to do my own thing, do my own thing. But I kept doing my job. I would show up, I would train. I never told anybody about no outside training or anything like that. I never achieved the business, you know what I'm saying? Halftime, I tell people now, sometimes I wouldn't even clock in. Because, like, I, I, I just, I was, you know, it was a smaller place, so I was trying to be more cautious with the owner's resources and whatnot. And one day, out of the blue, man, to this day, I can't tell you why. But uh, I, got, I got fired. Yeah. I yeah. got fired. And I knew, I knew that was an opportunity, man. Yeah, because I, I, I was Because internally, I was struggling with how to even approach them to be like, you know what? I, I don't want to. I don't want to work here no more. I want to go do my own thing, you know. And uh, but that happened. So so so. What I, my point is is that sometimes, just like your situation, that um, you know, which what, what you think can be a setback can be the very thing that God is trying to use you uh, to set you up, you know. And so that's cool. So, how long was you in corporate America? I was in corporate America five years. Almost okay, five, five years. Yeah, that's same. Then the, uh, and then, the, and then the Toastmasters kicked off, and then you started doing the speaking thing, and yeah, yep. And then, and then, uh, was you working with? So, did you start when you started speaking? Did you start? Did you start working with the youth then, or did or did youth become like on the back end of of when you started so doing your brand? I started. I started with you. So how it all blew up is I got invited. This guy invited me to speak in the juvenile detention center, and okay. you know, I had never done that before. And I didn't have anything. I had no books, nothing. I'm, this dude, this lady knew me. She knew my story. She knew this guy that was in these juvenile attention. So I met him at Starbucks. And he was like, man, you got a great story. You're a pretty good storyteller. Why don't you come speak to the guys? I almost said no. And I was like, man, I don't know that's going to work. But uh, I went. I went and spoke in that juvenile attention center. And I talked to the guys about, you know, self-discipline and self-control. You know, I'm real big on that and your value. And... Right when I was done, I didn't think they was even paying attention because most of them were sitting there like this. But one of the kids that was hit like this the whole time when I was done, he raised his hand. And he said, hey, Mr. Mosley, is this the only time you'll come talk to us? And I was like, 
I didn't expect that. So I was like, well, I asked all of them. I said, hey, y'all raise your hand if y'all want me to come back. All of them raised their hand. So I spent two years in a juvenile detention center building my programs, my content. That's how I wound up writing that book. And we helped talk to guys, job skills, life skills, public speaking skills, you name it. We helped a lot of them get jobs. And it just, they just started taking off, man. And then when the book was finished, this, uh, the juvenile justice system wanted the book, so the book got put in all the juvenile detention centers. So it's just all just started working out, man, the way it was supposed to work out. But yeah, it started with youth, and I moved on to colleges. And, uh, I did some events as well, but that's how I started, bro. It's crazy because, man, uh, I've been talking about this for a while now, and, and like uh, when I uh, talk to you know different people, whatever, and whatever, my whole thing has just been trust the process. It's yeah. not overnight, you know. Uh, you know, things just don't. I mean, <laughs> they, they there's there's a process. There's a natural process that has to happen for you to perfect the thing that you were called to do. And so, uh, and that's what I'm trying to get. I try to get off to the listeners and subscribers is that hey, you got to trust the process and you got to understand. Even when you make the decision to say, you know what, I want to I want to turn things around. I want to I want to go forth. I want to forgive. I want to do, do this. I want to do that. I want to go back to school. Quit corporate America, like. There will be hurdles. <laughs> oh, there yes. will be trials, and you have to trust the process. And so, I'm, I want to I want to segue into what was your mindset like in during the roller coaster? Did you have mentors? Did you constantly dive into books? Your faith? Like, what are some things that that sustains you through the up and ups and downs of trying to find your gift? Well, all of that. Uh, I had mentors. I hired a lot of coaches. I did a lot of praying. Um, read a ton of books. But it also goes back to, I know you was talking about revolutionary leadership, right? Yeah. So I'm going I'm to I'm show you why this is important, why, why I'm thinking about revolutionary leadership. I had a mad commitment, right? So anytime you're going after something you want to do in life, dream, goal, whatever it is, in order for you to become a leader, you must first develop as a leader. And that is what's going to do commitment. So when I was listening, when I was reading about your uh, message, when you talking about revolution leadership, to me, that means commitment. And let me give you my definition of commitment. Commitment is self-discipline plus self-control. Self-discipline is doing the things you say you was going to do that's going to help you to realize your goals and dreams. That could be losing 20 pounds. Self-discipline, self-control is not doing those things that's going to keep you from your goals and dreams. That could be eating a bunch of cake. So when it pertains to me going after my dream, I was self-disciplined. I read the books. I said the prayers. I hired the coaches. And when I had those setbacks in the process, because I had that commitment with discipline, I kept moving forward. I was self-controlled because when I had those disappointments, instead of me complaining, instead of me trying to find an excuse to quit, instead of me to looking for reasons to make excuses, I controlled myself from going down that path. And because I had that self-discipline and that self-control, it helped me to survive that process when things were not working out the way I wanted them to because I knew I was committed to the dream that was in my heart. Self-discipline. Hey. Repeat your definition of, of, of commitment again for everybody. It's self-discipline. Plus self control. That's simple. 
That's Write not that down. <laughs> hey, when I coach my self-discipline program, that's all we focus on. Self-discipline and self-control is your commitment. All that other stuff, it doesn't matter. If you commit, you say you're going to do something, be disciplined. You say you're not going to do something, be self-controlled. That's simple. So speaking of commitment, self-control, self-discipline, how did that, how did you, during the, you know, the pandemic or whatever, 2020, how, did you have to change your approach or did you have to beat certain principles a little harder in 2020 with your clients uh, as it pertains to their commitment or the process or the discipline or whatnot uh, as it related, as it pertains to your clients and what they were trying to accomplish? Exactly. Uh, when the pandemic was going on, especially in quarantine, you know, one thing I discovered real fast, the quarantine forced people to like take a real good look at themselves. You see, most of the time we're going through stuff, and I deal with this some of my clients and some of my friends. We can use our jobs. We can use our careers. We can use all these things to keep us from facing the fact we may not like ourselves, we're not confident, we're afraid to go after our dreams. But when we had that quarantine and you couldn't go nowhere and you had to sit at home by yourself half the time and you have to face yourself, you've been laid off your job, you, you, you can't go to work, you don't know what's going to happen, then people had to do one or two things. Either they were going to become negative, like some of my clients, they want to become negative and, and let that spot out of control. Or they can use it as an opportunity to work on themselves, to better themselves. You see what I'm saying? So, as example, right. I have, uh, I had one of my friends uh, that I'm gonna say he a friend, but he was a client too. He wanted to try to start reading more, right? He been talking about this for a long time, but he had an issue of watching television all the time, right? He said, "Gene, I really want to start reading because there's this job I want to go after, but." I don't have the skill set that I need to be able to get it. So I asked him this. I said, we're in quarantine right now. You just got fired off your other job. <laughs> you ain't got it no more. Right? But you didn't home watch the TV. I said, so let me ask you something. You say your goal is to be able to read. You want to do this like series seven test, this financial test. You say you want to get this test so you get this job making six figures, right? So let me ask you a question. How much do you watch TV? He said, well, I watch this one TV show about two hours. I said, well, I'm not going to tell you to start watching TV show, but is there any commercial breaks? He said, actually, they are. I said, I'll tell you what. Do you think you can read for those commercial breaks? How long they last? He said, it lasts about a minute. I said, okay. So now he has about five to six commercial breaks. All he did was read during those commercial breaks instead of changing the channel to look at something else. So you know what wound up happening with him? He went from reading one minute every commercial break to now he's reading 20 books a year because in the quarantine, he took advantage of the fact that he don't have a job anymore. He could either be depressed and watch TV all the time, but he didn't do that. He took a small opportunity to work on himself, and now it has played off for him because now he does have that job he always wanted. Because he was able to pass that crazy test. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. I all my clients, man, you know, I really want them to focus on how they can enhance themselves instead of focus on all the turmoil that was going on because that wasn't gonna help them to empower themselves to be the best version of themselves they can be. That's good. That's a good that's that's a good approach, good perspective. So even even as pertaining to your clients, did you have a, a how did the the pandemic how did the, the 2020 
impact your business positively or negatively? Uh, did you have people just rushing like, hey, I, I need help or, you know, oh, uh, like how, how does that impact your business model? Well, from a speaking perspective, from a speaking uh, perspective, it hurt me tremendously. Uh, I was working on the contract. Uh, it was going to be in the range of fifty to a hundred thousand if everything would have went out. Uh, I had oh, a wow. ma- had a major school, the biggest one I ever had, major school district, right? And uh, we was working on the papers. It was right in March, right after my birthday. Uh, the lady was emailing me. I was about to go back up to Dallas to talk to her, and then we got hit with the pandemic. So it shut everything down. Uh, I lost all those speaking engagements that I had. I had another big conference I was going to do. I was going to release a new book. So I was writing this book to be able to release it from the stage. But when the pandemic hit, I lost that conference. So even myself, uh, I had to deal with the fact like, wow, I just lost all my speaking engagements. That's a whole lot of income, right? (laughs) Right. What I started to do, I said, well, I told myself I was committed to write a book. So I used my commitment to write that book, my third book, and I focused on that. I didn't focus on the, 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 the virus. I didn't focus on anything else. I focused on writing that book. I wrote my third book in the quarantine. And so what I started doing is I started going back to coaching people. And that's how I came up with my self-discipline coaching program because I realized there were so many people out there, they want to write books. They want to lose weight. They want right. to start exercising. So I said, you know what? This is an opportunity because people was hitting me up on my page saying, how do you stay so motivated? And I was like, I'm not motivated. I'm self-disciplined. <laughs> that, discipline has nothing to do with it. I'm self-disciplined. And when you're self-disciplined, you figure out your discipline is the key to your motivation. Because when you do the thing you're going to do, then you start to build momentum, and that momentum is your motivation. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And so that's, that's how things been. And now I'm just building stuff online. I'm doing more interviews like this. Yeah. I'm writing my fourth and fifth book. And yeah. I just realized, man, I'm more than just a person that can speak on stage. You know what I'm saying? Right. I can online. I can write. I can coach. And so it has definitely been a blessing in disguise. Um, it really made me realize that hey, you know, you're going to have things like this in business. And it helped me to realize that growing up in the hood and poverty gave me a great AQ, adaptability quotient. <laughs> I was good. like that, you know what I'm saying? So, hey, it, right. it, it helps a lot. I tell people all the time, you know, a lot of us grew up in the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> For real. Exactly, hey, exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly. I told my homeboy, I say, you tripping. This is like the hood, dog. America is the hood. <laughs> you always you want to act like you're from the hood. You grew up in the suburbs. Now you know what it's like. Now you tripping. Yep. Uh-uh. Right, yeah. They be like, oh, so, so many people about to lose their house. I'm like, been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> in a good economy <laughs> for real yeah, exactly yeah man that's why I, t- I told him I said you know what I know what people gonna survive this like yeah. y'all ain't gonna be jumping out buildings and all that <laughs> they gonna be like hey we gonna be like hey man you got some noodles dog <laughs> Hey, for real. Hey, for real, though, man. That's funny. Hey, for real, though. Yeah. I'm the same way, man. I had my head down, man. I was just plugging away. 
I got so yeah. much accomplished in 2020, man. It's just it's yeah. crazy how like that level of focus. I have been telling my people, you know, the, the people that I uh, my mentees and, and some of my subscribers, I've been telling them the whole time. I'm like, hey, this is preparation season. Yeah. This is we we prepping, we prepping. Keep your don't get don't get distracted by all this all this stuff is a distraction. You know, they they they, they, they putting they, they putting these things in front of us to distract us. And yeah. uh, I said some of you guys are gonna miss the bus in 2020. Because in 2021 we we accelerate, man. Yeah, I call it, I call it a character building season. And yep. you know, I recorded more motivational videos during that pandemic time. That's what I, <laughs> I saw. I'm gonna tell you, that's when people start sending me all these inboxes. They were like, "Man, how you staying so positive? How you?" I said, "Let me tell you something, dog. I was put on this earth to help people to believe they were to be great." This is a commitment. Yeah. I discipline because I know I'm put on this earth to help people. So yeah. I'm going to control myself not to get so caught up in all this negative stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when sure. you, it's like Mark Twain said, the two most important days that we will have in our life is the day you are born and the day you figure out why. When Absolutely. you figure out why you are on this earth, I don't care if it's a pandemic. I don't care what's going on. When you're passionate, when you know you called, you're going to do what you're supposed to be doing because that's what you called to do. And that's what I did, man. And that pandemic gave me an opportunity to encourage and motivate, and I did it to the best of my ability. And I'm still doing it to this day. Because that's when you found out. You found out. If people truly believed in what they was talking about, because if you talking about you encouraging and motivating, and then you just fell off the cliff <laughs> <laughs> during the middle of the pandemic, people are like, oh no, yeah. this, uh -uh. no, I went harder. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. just full of energy too. I'm just hyper. You know, I can't no. talk that time. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw you, bro. You, hey, boy, you, boy, you was like, boy, you was shooting them out. I'm like, this dude got his head. He got his head down, boy. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree, man. When you know, when you know that you called to do something, there's no stopping you. Exactly. There's no stopping you, man. No pandemic, no coronavirus, no mask, no nothing. There ain't nothing stopping you. You are gonna get it done regardless. And uh, and you know, I've heard a lot of a lot of there was a lot of. I tell people, 2020 was a great year of transfer, a transfer of leadership, influence, and resources. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think when we approach revolutionary leadership, I think leaders leaders are on the rise like you and i and, and yeah. other people man that that we saw just they just we just kept building kept being consistent they you know they start displaying this level of commitment and uh and i believe that this is going to be that, that breakout year for a lot of people not for the not for the sake of being famous but to reveal the heart of the people like you and i that actually we actually care for the people that we're we're targeting Exactly. You know, we actually care about the. We actually we don't we we're not in, we're not in this for no fame. We're not in this to you know the. We understand that when we're doing things that we're we, we're called to do, that the reward is monetary. There are monetary rewards with yeah. us being in position because the, our gift makes room for us. It puts us in places that yeah. we could never even dream of being. Like you said, with the school district and the, and the youth centers and all these different things. And so, uh, this is this is going to be good, man. For, or, a lot of different a lot of different levels and so uh what are 
what are a couple things you can give the subscribers is maybe somebody sitting at home and, and that's why I kind of walked you through because I wanted people to understand number one, it's a process. I want them to understand number two, there's a level of leadership that you initiated within yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to initiate the change. I am yeah. going to be the change I want to see. I'm not going to let my history determine my future. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm allowing my history to empower my future, <laughs> you know? And so I wanted to walk you through, but what are a couple of things that you can give, encouraging things that you can give, or maybe some educational research, something to, to help the listeners understand that, you know what, it's going to be okay. Like, yeah. you got to just keep going, you know? I think the, the biggest thing is how I started before when I talk about your empty closet moments, those moments that you feel you weren't good enough. Uh, one thing I've discovered is this, and I'm sure you probably have come around this with people, is that people talk about the things they want to do, and they talk about it enthusiastically. But then you always see those same individuals, and you realize they don't take any action. Right. And one thing I've discovered is that they don't feel that they're worthy. And until you get to a place of worthiness, you will never go after the goals and dreams that in your hearts. That's good. So the first thing that I will say is this. Acknowledge your empty closet moment, whatever that is for you. It was my daddy leaving. That was the most painful thing I went through because he left after he looked me in my eyes and told me he would never leave the family. Maybe your moment is you were sexually abused. Maybe your moment is a teacher told you that you're stupid, you're dumb, whatever that is. Acknowledge that moment. Because that moment will be the thing that you'll be able to use to have the greatest impact in this world. And number two, when you acknowledge that moment, then you have to move to the point of healing. Maybe that is you forgiving somebody else. Maybe it's you forgiving a family member, a friend. But most importantly, that you forgive yourself. Because until you forgive yourself, you will never feel that you're worthy of anything. And in order to go after the dreams and goals that you have, it must start from a place of worthiness. And if you don't feel that you're good enough, it doesn't matter how talented you are. It doesn't matter how skilled you are. You will never have the self-confidence to go after your dreams because you're dealing with a lack of worthiness. So my thing to you is this, whoever it is, you're worthy to be great of any dreams that you have, but in order for you to get there, it must start with you first acknowledging that empty closet moment that made you feel that you're not good enough. And number two, forgive others and yourself so you can set yourself free and use that moment to have an impact in this world. Powerful. <laughs> Powerful, man. Hey, you guys didn't heard it. You guys have heard it, man. What a powerful conversation uh, we have. My boy Gene Mosley doing some wonderful uh, work in the Dallas area and around the world. Uh, where can they find you? Uh, where can they get the book? Uh, social media uh, links, website. Um, yeah, you can find me at genemosley.com. That's my website. But uh, I would encourage you to go to my Instagram. That's where I'm mostly at now, at gene underscore mosley. And if you're somebody that, you know, you're looking for motivation, I post a lot of motivational videos. I do one a day. But if you're somebody trying to go to a deeper level, uh, I encourage you to get the ebook on my website, Overcome Your Empty Closet, and it'll take you through the process 
uh, giving, get, getting over that empty closet moment so you can start to feel that you're worthy as you're going through. It is That book has a self-assessment tool in it so you can write in it and deal with those things you need to deal with inside of you. And if you're somebody, you're struggling with your self-discipline and you're looking for some accountability, you're looking for somebody to help you, you know, to have a plan that is specific and simple, uh, you can send me an inbox or send me an inbox to my Instagram and uh, connect with me like uh, on there. And then we can talk about the program and how I can help you. Or you can send me an email at bookgenemosley at gmail.com. That's what's up. And we'll uh, we'll put all these links here uh, in this video or on this, on this post or something. Uh, uh, so we'll tag them. So hit all you guys, the email, the website, but we'll, 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 we'll tag all that in here. And uh, I just want to say thank, thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for being our guest. Uh, what a powerful story. What a powerful movement. Uh, and we appreciate what you're building and, and uh, the world desperately needs what you offer, man. And uh, you're giving so much value to, to, not only people of the world, but but the black men, black community, black boys, and so uh, that means a lot because we need it. Like, uh, yeah. we need it big time, man. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things that are that are against us, and uh, right now, specifically uh, as it pertains to black men, black young men, black boys, and so I'm super excited uh, for what you're doing. I'm super excited to see the elevation in what you're doing. And uh, man, we're gonna have you. I'm gonna have you back on because I want to talk about okay. health and wellness. I want to talk about health and wellness. And, okay. Uh, because I know I, I know you into taking care of this temple, so yes. uh, I want to talk about that. But um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for everybody who's listening, subscribed to what we're doing. Uh, this is the TSJ Success Podcast, powered by DreamMuscleCoffee.com. And so uh, until next time, we out. Like I said, Gene, thank you so much for coming on, my brother. Thank you for having me.